Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Executive Pastor Chris Valdez. Well, if you were here last week, you know uh, that Pastor Darrell mentioned that he and I were going to continue this series on the hope for the generations for the next several weeks. And I'm, I'm so thankful that our hope doesn't rest in any individual person or even in any individual generation, but our hope rests in our, in our only hope for all generations is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And that's the central, uh, point of this entire series. And, uh, I want to start out with looking at a few of the scriptures that we read last week that make this point very clear. And we'll start with Psalm 145 verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Daniel 4 3 reads, How great are His signs and how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion is from generation to generation. And Ephesians 3 20 and 21 say, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but all of those promises gives me hope. Jesus Christ has always been the hope for every generation, and He was our hope uh, even before He came to earth physically. In Genesis 12:3, God promised Abraham that he would bless all families on the earth through him. And that was a prophetic word of Christ. And Paul confirmed that in Galatians chapter 3. I think one of the best passages for showing that Christ has always been the hope for every generation is John chapter 1. And you can turn there if you like, but it will also be up on the screen. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is the hope for all generations. We have no other hope. Every other thing, every other person, every other security, every other idol that we put our hope in will fail. 
God doesn't have grandchildren or great-grandchildren. He has sons and daughters. As many as receive Jesus Christ, He gives the right to become children of God to those who believe in the name of Jesus Christ. He is the hope, the only hope for every generation alive today and every generation to come. In 1 Corinthians 2, 2, Paul proclaims, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's enough. That's enough. If that's all we know, if that's the only hope that we have, that's enough. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Our only hope is in Jesus Christ. Christ and I think thank God that that's true. Nothing else is worthy of our hope, is worthy of our faith, is worthy of our worship and our praise and our honor. To him alone be the glory and honor and praise forever and ever. Amen. We're going to look at two men in the Bible this morning. One who is very young and one who is not so young. They were in two different generations and not just because of the gap in their ages, but they're also separated by about 650 years in history. But we're going to start with the younger of these two men. And the first is Josiah. And you can turn with me to Second Kings chapter 22. It'll also be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Second Kings 22 verses 1 through 3. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. Kids, how would you have liked to have been king of a nation at eight? Parents, uh, which one of your children would you have trusted to lead the nation at eight? (laughs) Anybody? Look at verse 2. And he did what was right. In the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father, David, he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Oh, that we could all be described that way, that our life could be described that way. Young people, this is for you. This account of Josiah starts when he was only eight years old. You don't have to wait to follow God and to serve him. You can do and fulfill His call for your life starting today. His plan for you started before you were knit in your mother's womb and it goes on for all eternity. You can follow Him today and tomorrow and every day of your life. In Josiah's 18th year of reign, so at this point he would have been 26 years old, he ordered that the house of God be repaired. At this time, they had lost the book of the law. They didn't uh, really even apparently know it existed. This is also uh, in, in Hebrew, it's called the Torah. In Greek, it's refer- referred to as the Pentateuch. And it's referring to the first five books of the Bible and also uh, referred to as the law of Moses. And it had been lost. It had been forgotten until it was found. Look with me at 2 Kings 22, verse 8. Then Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. 
So Shaphan the scribe went to the king and bringing the king word saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. And then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. I love this passage. Josiah's heart was always after God. It was after God before he found the book. But after he found it, and we, uh, we read earlier that he'd always followed God. He'd also always sought after Him. He'd never turned to the right or to the left. But when God's Word was read to him, he realized how far he and the people had fallen away from God. And it broke his heart. He had just heard the words of God and he knew that they were facing judgment because they had not followed God fully. So Josiah sent the priest to inquire of God to see what they should do. And we pick up in verse 14. So they went to Huldah, the prophetess, and they spoke with her. And I want to stop here just for a second to note a couple things. First of all, the high priest, even though he was in that office, at this time, apparently didn't have a close enough relationship that he was hearing the word of God. So when Josiah asked him to get the word of God, rather than pray himself and get it, it says he went to hold a, a prophetess. And the other thing that stood out here that I, I've read this story before, but it never really jumped out at me is, is that this was a woman. Huldah was a woman, a prophetess of God who was hearing the word of the Lord. And so they went to her to hear God's voice to be spoken to King Josiah. And she tells them that God is still going to judge the nation because they have forsaken him and worshiped other gods. But gives this word uh, to Josiah, starting in verse 19. Because your heart was tender. And you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. And you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. So it's good news for Josiah. This actually reminded me of another passage and another king uh, who got a similar word that, that God was going to judge the nation, but it wasn't going to be in his lifetime. And that king's response was, whew, it's going to be my kids or their kids. I'm not worried about them. As long as I'm not going to have to deal with anything, that's fine. He says, you know, great's the word of the Lord. And he just kind of goes along with his life because God told him his life was going to be okay. And Josiah could have had the same response, but that wasn't his response. God was pleased that he'd sought after him and followed him and that when he heard the law that he was repentant and God told him, I'm going to judge the people, but not in your lifetime. And instead of just saying, oh, good and going on, he wasn't content 
with where he was or where the people were. And he was going to do all that he could to follow God and to lead his nation after God. Look with me at 2 Kings 23, 2-3. It says, The king, Josiah himself, read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. He read it to all the people. In verse 3 it says, Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep His commandments and His testimonies and His statutes with all His heart and all His soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. The next 16 verses after this describes how he purged the land of all the false idols, of all the false teachers, and anything that had to do with false gods. And then in verse 21 we read, Then the king commanded all the people, saying, Keep the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in this book of the covenant. Such a Passover surely had never been held since the days of the judges who judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was held before the Lord in Jerusalem. His heart was set to follow God in every possible way. The last verse on King Josiah that we're going to look at is in verse 25 of the same chapter. And it's my heart's cry that God can say this about each of us. It says, now before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. That God might be able to say of each one of us, there was no one like them that turned after the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might to seek after God, to follow him and to do all that he's asking us to do. From the age of eight years old, Josiah set his heart on God. He relied on God. He trusted Him with all of His heart, with all of His soul, and with all of His might. And He followed God in every way. Kids, no one is too young to follow God and to do great things for Him. He's calling each and every one of us to know, hear, and respond to Him. To Jesus Christ, the hope. The only hope for King Josiah's generation. The only hope for every generation alive today and every generation to come. Before we go on to the final story, I want to share one more scripture with our young people. It's from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, and it says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Young people, you can be the example. School is starting this week, and while, yes, you can be an example and a witness to your peers and to those younger than you and those in the older grades, this Scripture is saying you can also be an example to all believers, to all people, to all generations through your speech, through your conduct, through your love, through your faith, and through your purity, you can share the truth that Jesus Christ is your hope and He is the hope for all generations. 
they can see that in you. You can be the example. Let no one despise your youth. God can call you and has called you today. And He has something for you to do today and tomorrow and every day of your life. The next person that we're going to look at is Simeon. And Simeon, it doesn't say his age, but he's a few years older. And we find Simeon in Luke chapter 2, 25 through 28. And you can read along or turn on the screen or turn there in your Bible. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, we read, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. But before we get to this blessing, I want us to look at a couple things. First of all, the Holy Spirit was upon him. This was before Jesus Christ died on the cross. And in many passages in the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit was present and active. And he came upon people who sought after him. And he spoke to them and they heard his voice and they declared his voice. And those were the prophets and prophetesses of the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit was upon them and it says he was upon Simeon. And Simeon, he was an elderly man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And I'll explain in a moment what that is. But he was a man who continued to follow God his whole life. He heard God's promise to him through the Holy Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit who led him to the temple that day. So the consolation of Israel means the messianic hope. And I think that sounds very familiar to the same saying as Jesus Christ is the hope for all generations, the messianic hope. One of the traditional Jewish prayers is, may I see the consolation of Israel. There's Jews today who, who don't believe Christ has come that are still praying that prayer. But that prayer was answered for Simeon and for Israel and for all of mankind when Jesus Christ came to earth. Simeon got to see Jesus Christ that day in person. One of the last things I want to point out before we read his blessing is that he didn't have any preconceived ideas of what this encounter might have looked like. I think if God had promised me that I would see the Christ, that I would see the consolation of Israel, the messianic hope, the hope for all generations before my death, I think I would have assumed that I was going to see the man. A grown man. I would have assumed that I was going to get to talk to him. To hear the truth from his lips. But that wasn't the case. Simeon was to see Christ, the baby. But it didn't even phase him. On the contrary, Simeon's heart leapt within his soul when the Holy Spirit said, There he is. There he is, the baby. That baby is Jesus Christ. That baby is the consolation of Israel. That baby over there 
is the hope of all generations. Was Simeon disappointed? Absolutely not. Look with me at verse 29. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, just like you promised, you promised that I would see the consolation of Israel. And it's just as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Speaking of a baby that's done nothing, but he heard the voice of the Holy Spirit and he believed it. And when he he saw this baby and the Holy Spirit spoke to his soul and said, there he is, he believed it by faith. And he said, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon was thrilled to see Jesus Christ, the baby. His response was now I can depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He believed the trust, the faith, the hope which he had in the word of the Lord. To hear the word of the Lord and to believe it. This is for each and every one of us, regardless of your age. Seek after the Lord with your whole heart, with your whole soul, with all of your might. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Listen for the word of the Lord and respond. Whatever God is calling you to, respond. He will bring it to pass. He will make it happen. He is the one who calls. He is the one who does the work. And He is the one that will bring everything to completion. When God makes a promise, you can count on it. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. If you are alive, God is still speaking to you. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And it's our duty to Him to always be ready to respond to His call. I want to share one last thought with you before we close. And that is what God has purposed, what God has planned, and what God has promised will come to pass. There's no question There's absolutely no question. It will happen. It's a guarantee. You don't need to turn to each of these, but you can read them along with me on the screen. The first is Isaiah chapter 14, verse 27. It says, For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? No one. No one can stop his plans and his purposes. The next scripture is the advice of a Pharisee and a teacher of the law, Gamaliel, on how they should respond to Jesus' disciples who are preaching of his death and resurrection. 
And this is in Acts 5, verse 38. He says, if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. The plans of man will always fail. That's a guarantee too. But then he says in verse 39, but if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Even though he didn't believe in Jesus Christ, he knew that if this was of God, there was nothing they could do to stop it. And that they might even be risking opposing him directly. What wisdom. My prayer is that each and every one of us, individually in New Covenant, as part of the body of Christ, will be found walking with God with His plans and with His purposes and never be found opposing them. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. God's purpose, God's plan alone will stand the test of time. Ephesians 2.8-10 says, For by grace... You have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I don't think there's anything that says it clearer than this. We're His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared beforehand. And our responsibility is to walk in them, to walk with Him. And we can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Walking with Him in the Spirit, and we purpose to seek after Him with our whole heart, our whole mind, and our whole soul willing to follow Him wherever He may lead. We've been using the image of of a tree in this series, and it's obvious that trees uh, reproduce from generation to generation, and, and that's what we're called to do as believers. And I found this image, and I think it's a good picture of what each of us are called to do, to reach out in every direction, Below us and at our level and above us, both in spiritual maturity and in physical age and generations, that our job is to reach out and respond to Christ in every possible way and in every way that He calls us. There's no limit on how God can use us. His plan and His purpose will come to pass. He is calling each and every one of us to walk with Him in the way that He prepared for us. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. There's no one left out. But we have to choose to walk with Him and not against Him. He has done the work in Jesus Christ, but we have to receive Him. We have to come to know Him and hear His voice and learn how to respond to His calling. But thankfully, not only does he start the work, but he brings it to completion. I've said over and over in the last year or two that I want to be a part of a work that only God can do. Why would we want anything less? Why would we want to do things that we could do on our own, whether God was involved or not? He has purposed things for each and every one of us that are impossible for you to do on your own and in your own strength. It's not possible. What He has prepared for you is not possible in your own strength. But if you'll walk with Him, 
If you'll walk along with him, he will bring it to completion. He will he will do things that only he could do that will bring all the glory, all the honor, all the praise to him and to him alone. Because when he does it, we can't take the credit for any of it. It's clear that he's doing things beyond our ability. He calls the people who are weakest. Israel didn't get chosen because they were the best. He chose them because they were the least, because they were nothing. And he said, nobody's going to be able to take credit for your success but me, because you couldn't do anything apart from me. He has plans and purposes in our life that we can't do on our own, but he will absolutely bring them to completion if we'll respond to him and walk with him. In Matthew 9, 37 through 38, I uh, preached on this uh, a month or so ago where Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest is plentiful. There's no lack. How many farmers have ever said their harvest is too plentiful? I've got more out there than I could ever dream on harvesting, but I'm short the workers. That's what Jesus is saying. There's more harvest than we have workers. Pray earnestly that the harvesters, the workers, my workers would go into my harvest to bring it in. And that's what God is calling. That's what he's speaking. And I wanted to share a quick testimony that um, that I've experienced just over the last couple of weeks. We've had uh, we always have visitors and different people coming to the church and looking for a church. But just in the last few weeks, I've had two different uh, families that approached me and, and talked to me. And both of them said exactly the same thing. They said, we're not looking for a church to attend. We're looking for somewhere to serve. And we've been praying this prayer that the Lord would send the laborers into his harvest, his laborers into his harvest where he's called them to be, where he's calling their heart uh, to serve. And one of the things about serving is when you're where God has put you, you'll serve with everything you've got, with heart and with passion. It's not about doing something just because you know, well, they needed somebody and there were nobody else was saying yes, so I ended up here. No, God has a specific part of the harvest that he called you to. And it's and it's exciting to me that that to see that in people that are coming that they want uh, to serve, whether it's in this body or they find another church home. I'm just excited that they're looking for wherever God is calling them to and the part of the harvest that he is sending them to and they're ready to serve. But we have a lot of people already in this body who are part of this body. And God's calling you to his harvest as well. I'm going to be thankful for every labor he sends in from the outside. But we've got plenty of laborers in our body right now. And he's calling you to something. And it doesn't have to be in the four walls of this church. We've got we always have this out on the foyer table. It's just a list of all the different areas of ministries. But this week I added another one at the very bottom. It just says other at the bottom, there's a blank. We've got people in the congregation who minister to prisons. We've got people who minister at the mission. We have people that their calling is the business world. God is using them in their business. They're witnessing to their employees and to their customers on a daily basis. And that is their calling. That is the field. That is the harvest that God has called them to. And that's okay. 
But we want to walk with you in your calling, wherever that is. Regardless of where it is, we want to come alongside you. John did a great job of sharing his heart this morning for men's ministry. Every life group that we have, the purpose is so that we can walk alongside each other as we serve the Lord in his harvest, in his uh, in his fields. And he's called each of us to a different part, to a different part of the field. But he's calling you to something. We don't get to retire in the kingdom of God. We don't get to say that we're done. If we're alive, it doesn't matter if we're eight years old like just Josiah was or if we're almost uh, to our deathbed like Simeon was. Simeon at his old age was still holding on to the promise of God and still believed that it was going to happen and was still listening to the Holy Spirit within him and doing whatever he put on his heart to do. And one morning he said, go to the temple. And he followed. And that was the day that he saw the salvation of Israel. The baby. Sometimes God's promise doesn't look like we thought it was going to look. Like I said, my assumption was, I want to see the man. I want to see Jesus Christ the man. But God's promise didn't say anything about what age of the Messiah that he was going to see. He just said, you're going to see the promise. And he did. He's made a promise to you. He has a calling for you. And it may not look like anything that you expect, but it's exactly His plan and His purpose for your life. All that we have to do is decide, are we going to walk with Him in His plans and purposes, or are we going to oppose Him? We just have two choices. We either go with Him or we're against Him. What are we going to choose this morning? My prayer is that we'll be like Josiah and that in our last day, God can say of each of us, they followed me with their whole heart, their whole life and never turned to the left or to the right. Like nobody before or nobody after, they sought after me with all that they had. Ask them. Ask them what part of the harvest he's sending you to this morning. Wherever it is. And be ready to respond. Bow your heads with me this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises, Lord. That your word says all of your promises are yes and amen. That everything you have planned, everything you have purposed will come to pass. And no one can call your hand back. No one can make uh, your plans not succeed. But you've given us a choice whether we'll walk with you in those plans and those purposes or whether we'll stand against you. And my heart, Lord, is to follow you wherever you lead, Lord. That the impossible will be accomplished because it's by your strength and your power and that you will receive all glory and all honor and all praise because only you could accomplish it. Lord, I have a peace like never before, regardless of all the turmoil in the world, all of the, all the horrible things that we could see in the news, none of it can stop your plans and your purposes. You're not worried. You have a plan for us. You have a plan for this body. You have a plan for this city, for this state, for our nation, and for every nation and generation in the world. And it's going to come to pass. 
And we give you the glory and honor and praise, Father. Give us the grace to walk with you. Lord, the harvest, your harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. God, I earnestly pray this morning, send out the labors. Send out the labors. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.